When I was allowed, I spent a lot of time, free time, snorkeling with my wife in the beautiful, pristine, clear, turquoise waters of the Bahamas. And in our snorkeling, Beth and I have found an awful lot of things that are of interest. I can remember one particular day when I was snorkeling with Beth on Cabbage Beach, and in about 25 feet of water, I saw a large conch shell moving along the bottom which wasn't necessarily that odd of a sight. But as I looked more closely at the shell, there was the mark of the hammer slit in the back of the shell indicating that the meat of the conch of that shell had already been harvested. And yet this shell was moving along the bottom, sand of the bottom, at quite, quite a pace. So I dove down to the shell, collected it up, and swam it to the surface, and I, I flipped it over to see what was going on. And there, as I flipped that large conch shell over to look, was a very aggressive hermit crab looking at me and popping part of the way out of the shell to, I'm sure, defend himself. I tell you that story because what I assumed was lifeless, that conch shell on the bottom, was alive. And what I presumed was really going to be inactive was, in fact, active. You know, some people take the word of God And for whatever reasons, they assume that the Bible is lifeless, something to put on your coffee table just to have a good luck charm in your home, or something that's on a Bible stand in a sanctuary like we often have, something that the people presume is lifeless. The Bible is inactive, or so they think. But of course, those assumptions, those presumptions, are at the person who makes those things peril. Because in Psalm 119, verse 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. The word of God is settled, it's complete, but it's alive and it is active. And it really makes total sense that the word of God would be alive and active because it was breathed out and inspired by a living God. A living God has breathed out a living word. An active Lord has breathed out an active word of God, the scriptures. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scripture is inspired by God. Inspired there is breathed out and profitable. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, Why? That the man, or may I add, that the woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Oh yes, the word of God, the Bible, that we hold in our hands, and I trust that we hold in our hearts, is both alive and active. Our passage for this morning is just one verse, a powerful verse. In fact, it's a half a verse we're going to look at one half verse that packs a full punch in our hearts and in our Christian lives. It's Ephesians, excuse me, Hebrews, Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. And as we come to Hebrews 4, verse 12, I'd like you to give attention to this portion of the active and living word of God. For the word of God is living and active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as division of soul and spirit, 
of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We're going to focus just on the first half of that one verse this morning. It is no coincidence that this verse on the nature of the word of God follows hot on the heels of the verses we have just previously seen in sermons past, verses about believers choosing to enter into the experience of God's rest. It is significant that today's verse directly links up with the previous verses we have studied, which deal with the enjoyment of God's rest, which is basically the rest of knowing that we are accepted in Christ, not accepted in our efforts or service to Christ. And so with this review and by way of this introduction, now we're ready to look at verse 12. And before I actually return to the verse that I've read, let me tell you, the word of God is not benign. The word of God is not limp. It is not of little consequences. The word of God is not cute, something for kitties. It's not entertaining. The word of God is not vanilla. It's not passive and it's not neutral. The word of God is not harmless. Harmless in that it doesn't require any attention or response. The word of God requires attention and response of all those who read it. The word of God is not take it or leave it. Broccoli might be take it or leave it, but the Bible isn't. Verse 12a tells us three things about one Bible. And as I said, the half verse packs a powerful full clout that the Bible is three things. You ready? The Bible is living, the Bible is active, and the Bible is sharp. Today in our time together, we will have time to unpack just the first two qualities of God's word. The fact that it is living and the fact that it is active. The Lord willing, next Lord's Day, we will look at the characteristic of the Bible that it is sharp. The Bible is sharp. That's for next week. And so this morning, we look at the Bible being living, and we look at the Bible being active. Let's start with the Bible being living. The Word of God is living. That is to say that the Bible is far from dead. It is not lifeless. It is not some statue in a glass case. It's not inanimate. It's living. The standard procedure for medical persons to get the vitals of a person, get their pulse rate and their blood pressure, because if an individual has vitals, if they have a pulse rate, if they have blood pressure, then they're still alive. God's word is vital. It has vital signs that it's living. And living things, all living things, grow. I love this statement from Spurgeon. Nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. End of quote. That is so true. The word of God widens and it deepens with the same story you may have heard in Awana as a little child that you're reading today as an adult. That story deepens and that story widens because the word of God is living. 
It grows in our hearts and our minds and our lives with time. Bible is living. In fact, the Bible is so living that the Bible can show us how that we can be abundantly alive in our union with the Lord Jesus Christ once we're saved. The Bible is alive. It's lively. It's far more than pages and ink on a page and binding and cover and back cover. In fact, the Bible has its own personality. When I say that the Bible has personality, I mean that it presents God's mind to us. It has personality because the Bible reveals God's emotions to us. The Bible is living because it lays out God's will for us. In that regard, the Bible has personality, God's personality. The Bible, as we've said, is God-breathed, is God-inspired, and it is no ordinary book. As God's living word, the Bible has revealed the will of God. The Bible is God's will laid out for us to read. You know, surprisingly, some Christians don't buy that. You do know that God's will is never contrary to his word. Let me say that again. Whatever God's will is for any one of us, his will is never contrary to the Bible. 32 years, roughly, of being a pastor, I've seen a lot of things, and many of them twice. I've seen parishioners in churches that I've pastored that really don't buy that the Bible is God's revealed will because they put their will over what God says in his book about a matter. They take their will and try to say that their will, which is contrary to the scriptures, is God's will. I've seen it all the time. For example, the lady who told me that she'd prayed all night and God had shown her that it was God's will for her to divorce her husband who was not abusive in any way, who was not unfaithful in any way, but she concluded it was God's will for her to divorce her husband. She didn't have a chapter and a verse for that. Or there was the man who came to me and told me that it was God's will for him to avoid at all cost a person that he owed a lot of money to. She didn't have a chapter and a verse for that. And then there was the woman that told me that she knew it to be God's will that she would never forgive another woman in the church. <laughs> she didn't have a chapter and a verse for that. God's will is never contrary to his word, never. My father-in-law, best daddy, went to heaven in September past. He had the privilege of preaching God's word, the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book of the Bible by book of the Bible for 55 years. And one of the things that he would say in some of the sermons he would preach when making the point that the word of God is living and relevant, he would say, don't, you all, don't you just want to touch the pages of your Bibles to see if the ink is still wet? His point was the Bible is so real, so 
up to date, so living and active that you almost want to touch the page to see if God just revealed it to you and your Bible that moment. I want to share with you, if not the top most pivotal conversation in my life, very close to the most pivotal conversation I had in my life. A friend of mine asked me a question when I was in my early 20s and when I was totally confused about what God's will was for my life. And my friend asked me, do you know God's will for your life? I answered honestly and said, no, not really. And then he asked me, how well do you know the Bible? That was a little more of an uncomfortable question. I've been a Christian since I was about four years old. He asked me, how well do you know your Bible? And I admitted, honestly, not very well. Then he asked the clinching question. He said, do you think that you could know God's will for your life if you don't know his word? That was bam. That hit me right between the eyes. And then my friend continued in his bold and loving approach. He said, I challenge you to enroll in a one-year Bible college after you graduate from the University of Toronto. You see, my friend knew firsthand that the Bible is living, and he wanted me to get in on the action to see what the living word of God would do in my life. After I graduated from the University of Toronto, I took up on my friend's challenge, and I went to Word of Life Bible Institute in Scroon Lake, New York. I think I've mentioned that recently in a sermon with you. I'll tell you the rest of the story a little later in the message, but for now, I want to say it again. The Word of God is living. It was Christ-rejecting and Christ-Bible-rejecting American humorist Mark Twain, who quipped, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me, it's the parts that I do understand. End of quote. Twain was acknowledging the living nature of the Bible. He didn't like the fact that the Bible is living, but he conceded that it is. Oh yes, the word of God is living, but there's more. The word of God is active. The word of God is active. The word of God, dare I say it, is aggressive. And it's always moving. The word of God is always challenging. The word of God is always convicting. The word of God is always calling those who will read it. Actually, the active word of God is a dynamic force which every Christian who reads it, must reckon with. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, again, quoting, Scripture is like a lion. Who ever heard of defending a lion? Just turn it loose. It will defend itself. That's because the word of God is active. Because the word of God is active, the word of God will defend itself in a college classroom, in a marriage, in parenting, because the Bible is active, 
it will defend itself. Communists in China and Russia thought they could eliminate the Bible, but they can't. In fact, a few years back, some of the printing presses, which once printed communist literature, became to be Bible printing presses. And the underground church, this morning, the underground church around the world is dividing up the Bible into passages and books of the Bible and dividing it and then passing around certain segments of the Bible to each other so they can read it and study it until the church meets again. Somebody might have Philippians or part of Philippians and someone else might have Ephesians or part of Ephesians and they deal with those portions of the Bible until they have to bring them back to the underground church and someone else gets to borrow those parts of God's word. Bible's active. Some Chinese believers were told, memorize full books of the Bible, the book of James or of 1 Corinthians or the book of Mark or the book of 1 John, etc. Some Chinese brethren love God's word so much and know how active it is that they memorize whole books of the Bible, Romans, etc. And we're told even that some incarcerated Chinese believers that are in jail and solitary confinement for years, they memorize the whole Bible. The whole Bible. They know the Bible is active. Academics have unsuccessfully tried to drive the Bible off university campuses, but brave Christian students will not back off And Bible studies on these liberal campuses continue. The Bible is active. Over many, many decades leading up to the present time, certain American governments, certain presidential administrations have tried to push the Bible completely off of Capitol Hill. But the Bible won't be pushed away. Because there were Bible studies on Capitol Hill when the sitting president didn't want there to be, and there are Bible studies in the highest levels of government in America today. You know very well here in NASA, the Chinese construction sites that have Chinese construction workers, and you know a man that I will not name for his safety as persecution in China has ramped up a man that we know and love from our church assembly who came to know Christ in one of those communist construction projects in Nassau. An American foreman led him to Christ, baptized him, had Bible studies with Pastor Lee and other evangelical pastors in our city. The word of God is active. And Bible studies started with other Chinese construction workers even though the construction authorities didn't want those Bible studies to take place. And in fact, they called away the brother I'm alluding to from a time he was in Bible study with local pastors, and they called him away to do nothing just to get him out of the Bible study. But the word of God is active. And you know what? The coronavirus, (laughs) the coronavirus can't stop the spread and the teaching and the preaching of God's word, the Bible. The coronavirus can't stop any of you viewers from going to God's word each day and reading it and 
loving it and obeying it and listening to it and responding to it. You know, it's quite astounding to me. I think this is the sixth live stream worship service we've been able to present. The average viewership of these live streamed worship services so far is 667 viewers. We've never had 667 persons in the sanctuary since I've been pastor. I want you all to be back in the sanctuary, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying that the word of God is active and it's going out through the internet in many different ways. The uh, video devotionals that I've been led to, to provide, on average, each devotional is viewed about 209 times. To God be the glory. The word of God is active. It can't be stopped. Can't be stopped by COVID-19. Can't be stopped by the communists. Can't be stopped by the godless academia. The word of God is active. And we can be thankful and grateful for that. Now, to finish my story, my story about my friend who asked me, how well do you know God's will? And, and uh, I challenge you to go to a Bible college for one year to understand the Bible better so you could know God's will for your life. Let me pick the story up. My friend specifically challenged me to go to Word of Life Bible Institute, and I went there after I finished from the University of Toronto. It's one of the older students that was there. And almost immediately, I saw just how active the Word of God was being in my heart, in my mind, that it was far more than a textbook I was studying, but it was living and active and doing something in my thinking, doing something in my prioritizing, doing something in my prayer life. And what I was finding initially was that Romans 12, 1 and 2, kept coming before me in many different ways. A great uncle from Pittsburgh wrote me a letter and talked about Romans 12, 1 and 2. In lectures, Romans 12, 1 and 2 were coming up. In prayers by the faculty, Romans 12, 1 and 2 were coming up. In devos in the dorm, Romans 12, 1 and 2 were coming up. Everywhere I looked, everywhere I turned, Romans 12, 1 and 2 were coming up. And initially, I fought them. And because the Bible is active, it fights back. I fought those verses because I didn't want to surrender and make my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service of worship, and not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, that I might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, let me shorten the story. Two months into my time at Word of Life, I knelt beside my bed with my dorm supervisor and I basically yielded and surrendered my life to Christ as my Lord because the word of God is active. And when we fight against the word of God, it fights back. Are you fighting the word of God on anything? Surrender. It'll be for your best and for God's glory. Now, It's kind, of, it's kind of interesting to me that I prayed this prayer myself, that when I ask the Lord, word of God to be active in my life before I read it, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's a fine prayer to make. But when you stop and think about it, the word of God is going to be active in your life, whether you ask God to make it active in your life or you don't, because inherent to the character of the Bible is it's active. And if you come under the sound or the sight of reading God's word, it will be active. 
So today we've seen that the word of God is living, and we've seen that the word of God is active. Next time, God willing, we'll see that the word of God is sharp. But because we know the word of God is living, and because we know the word of God is active, every single time we read the Bible, we should expect God to do a living thing in us and God to do an active thing in us. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your living and active word and for the freedom we have to hold it in our hands and in our hearts and to live out its principles. Lord, may we never get over the word you've breathed out that we could have to study, to memorize, and to obey. Be honored and glorified in our treatment and interactions with your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.